You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Benny and the Bets. What's good, everybody? Welcome in. This is Benny and the Bets, a pre-Super Bowl edition, which I guess if you think about it, that's been every show leading up to the Super Bowl. In a sense, it's been a pre-Super Bowl edition. It's like the Mitch Hedberg joke. Every book is a children's book, if the kid can read. But this is an actual Super Bowl show, and I'm thrilled as we welcome in a longtime friend, the trusted voice of the Bay Area, who you can catch by going to youtube.com slash at Damon Bruce Plus. It's the Plus every Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. The trusted Bay Area man himself is good enough to join us here on Benny and the Bats. What's good, Damon? It's great to see you, man. It is good to see you, Ben. Don't don't oversell the trustworthiness. We just try to keep it on the straight and narrow. That's what we do over here. We try not to be overreacting. We try not to panic and just, you know, look for panic buttons in the name of content. It's really not what I do. Um, and like you said, I guess technically every show that I have hosted about the 49ers has ipso facto been a Super Bowl preview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So- yeah, I've been doing Super Bowl preview since uh, since August, I guess. So. Yeah, and uh, since the uh, since opening lines first became available for the following season, it has, in a sense, been a Super Bowl preview show. You know, it's funny that you talk about sort of the we're not here to to overreact. I I came across X today because I have a crippling addiction to social media still, and here you are talking to the people and. One of the things that I, I was a bit surprised about was it's only a couple days before we really dive into all the craziness of the Super Bowl. And it sounded to me that the Bay Area fan base is already starting to come up with ways why they're concerned about the what ifs as opposed to just enjoying being back in the Super Bowl and getting a chance to play and rematch the Kansas City Chiefs. What? Why is the fan base, and I don't want to speak for everybody, Why is that part, that section of the 49ers fan base already trying to think of the what ifs as opposed to the work years? You know, I think there's a lot of people who let's let's be honest, even though there have been some Super Bowl defeats in the Harbaugh and Shanahan era, this is, you know, going to a Super Bowl is a stressful event. I think we're seeing a lot of anxiety come to the surface. We've also been conditioned to live in a skip Bayless world where everyone thinks running out with the hottest prediction And then being right about that prediction might even be more important to their sports status than, you know, let's say you didn't like Brock Purdy. You thought Trey Lance should have been the guy. Well, in a weird way, you sort of been rooting out loud against your whole team this whole year. And now that they're here and you're running out of I told you so's, you're like almost waiting for this implosion. So you can what? Finally say I told you so? Like at this point, wouldn't you rather admit Hey, this guy's pretty good, and 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 they're four quarters away from a Super Bowl. Like, it's really not time to talk about should Steve Wilkes be fired when the next time they flip a coin, you're going to decide whether you want the ball or you're kicking off in the Super Bowl. Like, there are times to kvetch about sports. There are times to worry aloud. There are times to talk about whether or not this guy should stay or go or be fired or whatever. This is not one of those times. Like, please have a little in the moment that comes so rarely. I mean, you get to complain about your team. So many have all season long. 
that has ended up in a Super Bowl. If you're also going to complain in the run-up to the Super Bowl, why are you even watching? Like, what are you even doing this for if it just bothers you eternally in all directions? Like, I, I don't know. I I really, I don't know. If Is social media driven us crazy? Were we always this level of asshole and social media is just the window into the exposure? Then I don't know. I, I really don't know, you know. Maybe it's a little entitlement or spoiled fan base. You're in Kansas City, man. Ah, you know, have you gotten any like sick of the dynasty sort of weird reaction from Chiefs fans? I don't think sick of the dynasty. The unappreciative, maybe? I don't know. Well, I, I think from the regular season, there was plenty of that, which was okay. The enemy's gone. They don't have a number one wide receiver. Kelsey, at some point, maybe is starting to slow down a little bit. There there wasn't the sort of this weird national call of Taylor Swift is ruining the Chiefs, and that's a whole other conversation for another time because that overall storyline, I think, is fascinating and fun, and the NFL needs more fun, and more people you can bring in to that section of the world, I think, is a good thing. I, I think there was a section of the fandom that was trying to evaluate what this team was going to be moving forward and whether or not even with the greatest quarterback in this current generation of players um, with a Hall of Fame first year uh, tight end in Kelsey, Andy Reid at the helm, you know, you, I don't think people were expecting to see a drop off on the offensive side. But then you had all these other things come through. The, the defense took a monster step in the right direction. You saw incredible play from LeJarius Sneed, who's turning himself into a number one cornerback. In fact, he's already done so. I think the difference here, Damon, at least from my perspective, is this run to the Super Bowl, the road wins against Buffalo and Baltimore, the beatdown of Miami for the second time this year in the minus 20 weather. I, I almost think this is one of the few times in the Mahomes era where getting to this point has actually been a pleasant surprise. And now people are taking, at least in the Kansas City area, as, man, this kind of feels like gravy. And now that we're here, now we expect. It's like you got to realize or you have that threat of this isn't always promised to you. Warriors fans have just kind of gone through this here. And, you know, and and I will say, I think one of the reasons why there's so much Brock Purdy discord is because Patrick Mahomes has basically scrambled everybody's brain. Everyone looks at him, admits he's a generational talent, and then insists that they should have their own generational talent ready and present in the very next draft. We'll go get our generational talent. Like the key word there is not talent. It's generational means guys like this only come around so often. There won't be a Patrick Mahomes sitting in a draft class for maybe another 15, 20 years. Like that's kind of the way it goes. And you know, well, what about Caleb Williams? Hey, he might not be able to play in the NFL at all. Nothing in college no accomplishment collegiately has any bearing on the career that you might have in the NFL. We've seen that time and time again. So, you know, when you got something really special, enjoy it. And it is human nature, I think, to take anything for granted if it's given to you for too long. Um, But don't take things for granted because, you know, careers and dynasties and teams fall apart and end. The NFL is built to disintegrate success. So to hold on for it, uh, you know, here's the thing. The, the Chiefs have been able to hold on to a level of success that everyone covets. 
The 49ers have had a level of success which is easily mocked because it never actually got them the brass ring. But everything else, you know, a three NFC title games in a row is a good thing. It, it's, a, it's a good thing. You know, I, I, even though you, you, you didn't win two of them right there, it's, it's good to be among the last standing all the time in a sport where being consistent in just any five-week stretch is impressive, much less three- or four-season stretch. Um, football fortunes and franchises, you know, are, are made and lost like Wall Street stock. You know, every hour, the fortunes of your team can change. One injury, one bad break, one off-field arrest. You know, I mean, like there's so much that can go wrong that when it goes right consistently for many years in a row, you got to be able to acknowledge this is this is a good time to be a 49er fan, even though your hands have not wrapped around a Lombardi trophy yet. Hey, that could happen in a couple Sundays from now. So again, feel free to enjoy. Exactly. And then you go from a level of Tom Brady being in how many Super Bowls and winning seven to now Mahomes playing in his fourth Super Bowl in five years. It's just the the level of those two. It's not a fair comparison. It's People think it's... I mean, apples to ice cream sundays, right? right? Like there's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. So to try to even put it in the same stratosphere is just not a fair argument to make. Uh, one quick thing, because I do want to talk to you about Brock Purdy, because I do think there is a lot to root for in that story, and also the ability of a front office and a coaching staff um, to pivot when it's a sport and it's an ego-driven league that is very difficult to pivot from your mistakes. But I, I was—I I heard a segment. We're both—we're uh, both, you know, Chicagoans. Uh, we both grew up in that area. Um, I was listening to the score, and I heard a conversation on their midday show going through the 2017 draft. And Patrick Mahomes, for as much as we now talk about this generational talent, was the number four consensus by all the different draft analysts that we talk about, as far as the made guys, the you know, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s and the Tom McShay's and, and everybody. Right. Voices, the voices that matter. Right. Mike, Mike Mayer, Dane Brugler, the list goes on. The number one consensus player, Damon, a lot of people think it's Mitchell Trubisky. He was two. It was Deshaun Kaiser. So what the hell do we know? Nothing. It is the hardest position to evaluate in professional sports. And when you get it right, you hang on. And that's why they get the money that they get because it is such a difficult avenue to pursue. So... The Caleb Williams conversation, maybe he is, but he could also suck. And we're going to have to find out, too, as part of this whole process unfolds. And that's why Brock Purdy and his success is so fascinating to me. It's, it, the Mr. Irrelevant thing is going to get blown up because it's a, a national narrative and it's an easy one to talk about. The thing that I find so impressive, at least starting on the 49er side, is... Well, oh, well you know, not to cut you off, but no, like, please. name Mr. Irrelevant, it basically... It's the NFL giving permission to everyone to mock this guy. Hmm. That's the title of Mr. Irrelevant, right? You all now have permission to laugh this guy out of the league because his chances of making it are so infinitesimal that we're calling him irrelevant. That is the label under which his career begins. And you got young kids at home, Ben, so do I. Seen the movie Ratatouille? Sure. So the whole theme of the movie Ratatouille is the epiphany 
that the villain sort of has in the end or the critic has in the end is that, you know, not everyone has talent within them, but talent can come from anywhere. And people, again, will go to bat for a guy because his name just showed up in the first round. And oh, his name was in the first round, therefore he has to be good at this. His nickname was Mr. Irrelevant, therefore he has to be bad at it. And we watch draft picks and people who know more about us, more data than us, screw up their jobs all the time. It is the most inexact science. Um, draft picks, it's almost like NCAA seeds in the tournament. Like as soon as that freaking bracket is printed throw all those numbers out because you don't know how it's gonna the ball is gonna bounce that day situations that really talented guys show up in are so bad their talent isn't good enough to overcome the bad around them and their careers are over before they even begin yeah so it, it's i i think that there is a serious level of draftism that has driven people nuts and again this is kind of sold to us by networks who have sold to us the draft as a sporting event unto itself. You really cannot win a draft the way that people think you can win a draft. You can make good choices and hit on players that you hope become starters. And, you know, that's going to happen for even the bad teams. You're going you're gonna to win some, you're going to lose some. And to try to hold on to this selection at this pick should be the end-all be-all, whether or not this is a good GM or not is insane it really is it's 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 crazy and to get to the other point that you were leading up to about the 49ers having the brass to walk away from the wrong pick from trey lance after investing all that draft capital that only happens with conviction that only happens with the gargantuan get out of free card that is stumbling into a possible franchise quarterback with the final pick in the draft I mean, without that, none of this is forgiven or easily dismissed, you know. Um, and it also comes with ultimate job security. You know, both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are made men within the 49ers franchise right now. So when you are secure in your position, you can go back or reaffirm your convictions at some point. Because I'm sure at some point they were very, very convinced that Trey Lance was the future. And then quickly they were convinced he wasn't. And what's the old stock market saying? You know, the, the best time to get out of bad investment is today. And so they, they did it. When when did you know that Purdy could be that guy? Was there a moment for you? Was there a game? Was it a, a series leading up to that playoff run a season ago? When did it click for you that they had found their guy? You know, I think his performance in the playoffs last year and then watching just the gargantuan titanic collapse of him going out in the nfc title game in the way that the rest of the nfc title game played um it obvious it, it's this isn't a plug and play anybody he is not the most replaceable cog in a system as as some would suggest sure i don't know if there's an actual like lightning bolt epiphanous moment though ben it really was a a quick just geez that looks good that looks pretty good too and he handled that well. And he, he he certainly didn't shy away from that moment. And, you know, for a guy who hasn't been around this league very long, he sure does he sure does get plays right off at the at the right amount of time in a snap count. Like you just 
He's he's got a clock awareness that some head coaches in this league don't even have. Like he's he's smart. He seems to process this field quickly. Boy, look at this uh, instant replay of him. Even though he's got a whole bunch of pressure in his face, his eyes never left downfield. He's not looking at what's in front of him. He's looking at what's ahead of him. And just, you know, you start getting all these data points of, hey, this is like, these are, these are all things that good quarterbacks do. And then there's that other element of, he makes it look a little easy. Now you can say that that's Kyle Shanahan drawing up the right mismatch. And again, it all goes into the gumbo. Everything matters. The coach, the mismatch, the the confidence, the blocking, it all goes into did this work or not. But he would execute on his third read better than Jimmy Garoppolo would execute the first read. And you could see that quickly. Um, Greg Cosell would always come on and do local radio out here from NFL Network. And he would be he would be kind to Jimmy Garoppolo and just say, he's best early in the down. <laughs> well, what you mean is he can't get to a second and third read. Brock gets to a second and third read like that. He's just, it's the processor. Again, how do you measure an intangible? If we could measure it, it wouldn't be labeled intangible. You can't measure the computer in somebody. You can't measure the pocket presence that is the automatic three Mississippi that they just have ticking in their head. Um, and he just had all these things that seemed to be built into most five, six-year, seven-year veterans, much less a guy who was the last pick of the draft who's only been around here for, what, five, six games? What is this? And, oh, by the way, oh, that by the way, they've won all these games. So that, that needs to be factored in, too. You know, like, uh, as soon as they went to this kid, uh, they're putting up awesome numbers and they're winning all the time. Just, should any of that matter? I think that should matter. The 49ers opened up two and a half point favorites. The line has bounced around a little bit. I think people will typically fall into the idea that the point spread for a game is the projection for the game when we we know that it's not. But do you look at the 49ers in this matchup as the rightful favorite? And if so, why? And if not, uh, where are there areas of concern against this Chiefs team in Europe? Yeah, I would just say that they haven't played their best football. Maybe even some of the worst football we've seen out of this team has been found in the postseason, which you could look at that very negatively and say the wrong time to start playing like that or look at it positively and say, hey, even though you put bad product down the field, you're still in the Super Bowl. And what we know just based on how good this team has been over the entire year, a good game's coming your way again. Like it's, it shouldn't take that long for it all to come out and click. Um, the defensive line has not been getting its job done. Just full stop. That they're they're not getting to the quarterback and they are not making it hard at the point of attack on running backs. Uh, they have missed too many tackles, and those are concerns. You know, now if I I was I was talking about the the Super Bowl with Nick Wright. And he, you know, put the question to me, you know, well, well, what do you think? You know, a lot of 49ers fans will be all chest out bravado, but they'll still say maybe, maybe the Chiefs. And I just said, look, if you walked up to me on the street and said, in this game tonight, you have the defense that is playing the best in the postseason and Patrick Mahomes, I don't even need to know the opponent before I say, yeah, I just think I'll take the best defense on the field with Patrick Mahomes. Like, that sounds like a really good bet to me. Mahomes and the best defense in the game. 
I don't even care who they're playing. I'll t- I'll take the Chiefs. You know, like <laughs> right. Um, I was really surprised that the the 49ers were the favorites. Uh, I also think that that's Vegas doing a little uh, self insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, that like you said, that number is not there as a prognosticator. It's there to make sure there isn't too much exposure for any gambling house. Um, I I. Uh, Again, I'm not, I'm, and 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 I know that you look at sports through the prism of gambling. I'm not a big gambler. It's not what I do. It's not. It's not how I. Yeah, I'm a bad gambler. How about that? If I'm giving any gambling advice, know that I'm not particularly good at it. Um, I can also tell you that as much as the Chiefs, you know, look like they can win this game when the 49ers put their shit together, look out, dude. I mean, you know, on the days where the defensive line shows up and they are playing the run well. And they're scoring 35 points. Holy shit. All of a sudden, the Niners really do look like they have been and should be and were billed as the best team in football all year long. We just haven't seen that against the Packers, nor have we the Lions. So um, Steve Spagnolo is the antidote to we think we're going to score a lot of points in a Super Bowl. Like what he did to the Patriots back in the day uh, when he was with the Giants was, you know, that was the highest scoring offense in NFL history and he held them to 14 points in a Super Bowl he gave up 20 the first time around to Shanahan they they might have allowed 35 to a unique Eagles team just last year but they scored 38 so they win that game too um I think Steve Spagnuolo versus Kyle Shanahan is the bigger matchup than Andy Reid versus Steve Wilkes in this game and if Spagnuolo has a you know just an unimpeachable game plan I and you told me that the Chiefs, like, I didn't think the Chiefs were going to roll the Ravens. Could they go in there and win? Yeah. Roll them? Nah. They did. They rolled them. So I, I you know, and, and even though there was, it, even though it was like a, a, a one score game, they were just that you could feel the Ravens like were never in it. Like, you know, it, it was, it, the scoreboard didn't indicate how that game looked. The Chiefs looked like they physically beat up the Ravens. So look, it's, it's one day of football. It could break either way. I, I have no idea how to really handicap this game. I think the biggest matchup, though, if we're talking matchups, like the whole game turns on what or on which matchup, can Fred Warner stay in Travis Kelsey's hip pocket? If, if I'm if I'm Steve Wilkes, I'm just saying, hey, I don't, I don't even care if you tackle Pacheco once tonight. Wherever Kelsey goes, you go with him and have a safety over the top. I don't know how Travis Kelsey is running so wide open in so many games that I watch Kansas City play in, uh, how is he not the first, second, and third check of any defense? I, you know, he's he's great. Obviously, he knows how to get open, but he is like ridiculously open. Uh, you got to hit him at the line of scrimmage. Got to put a body on him everywhere he goes. You got to hit him twice as hard as you're going to hit the next guy. Uh, and it just feels like Kelsey's allowed to run wild in so many games. I see you got to check Kelsey in this game with Fred Warner. And if that were as easy to do as I just made it sound, I'm sure we, you know, we'd see a lot of teams do it. And there's an awful lot of this this matchup in that matchup alone. And then what does Mooney Ward do on Rashi Rice? Uh, I saw today, just kind of looking at this game, Kelsey and Rice have combined for 43 of the Chiefs' 70 postseason catches. That's 61% of all air traffic going to just two guys. Yep. So it feels like hey, Niners, you shut down one of them. All of a sudden, you know, the the Chiefs might be a little bit more predictable. And 
that is that that's a Chiefs team that you have to take advantage of if that indeed does happen. Right. It's the sort of the Belichickian approach, right? Who are we going to take away from this game plan in order to take that number one read away and force the quarterback to adapt? Now, again, you can make the argument that it's Mahomes and he's going to adapt regardless because that's what he's done. But if you take away Kelsey and Warner is able to stay with them, I, I think that's critical. And I think on the other side, if we're talking about sort of that ideal matchup, and, and I'll get you out on this, uh, I think the health of Debo Samuel, even more so than the impact of, of Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, uh, just because of how they can use them. And if you're looking at one key weakness of Kansas City this season, it's been their inability to stop big plays in the running game. Now, they've shored up in the second half, and I've talked about this on the show before, 17 and two, or excuse me, 18 and two in second half unders, 19 and one in fourth quarter unders. The Chiefs defense has stood up in meaningful portions of the season. Facts. They don't. The they game. don't give. They don't give defensive coordinator T-shirts unless you're doing things like that, right? <laughs> Which I'm still trying to track down at some point, by the way. But the Chiefs are allowing. They're they're ranked 25th in opponent yards per rush. Which again, maybe you're trying to take away a lot of the different passing avenues, and maybe it's because late in games, they were, their defense is locked in. But the way in which you can use Samuel and his physicality and how it can open up everything for everybody else, to me, Chiefs linebackers against Debo Samuel is going to be the other key portion of this conversation that we need to have. I think so, too. And, you know, you're telling me, hey, the Super Bowl's over and the 49ers are picking up the Lombardi trophy. I bet you Christian McCaffrey might be picking up an MVP. You know, I, I, I maybe it's Brock, maybe it's Debo, like you said. But if I am, if I'm, if I am the 49ers, I'm running Christian McCaffrey 30 times in this game, or he's getting 30 touches somehow, some way, 15 and a half in the air, hand it to him, whatever, razzle dazzle it, let him even throw one for Christ's sakes. Like I, I think that McCaffrey, who's been the skeleton key to unlock the, the most interesting nooks and crannies of the Kyle Shanahan depth chart and playbook you know it's the guy's as versatile as it comes and he is he's so good ben i i like i had no idea how good he was until i got to watch him every game christian mccaffrey is one of the single best running backs i have every sort of the single best football players i have ever covered i had like i had no idea it was kind of like kevin durant before he became a warrior like i knew in oklahoma city how good he was but you don't really understand it because you don't watch that much thunder basketball and you can't appreciate someone until you see them every single game. Again, we don't get a lot of Carolina Panther highlights. And, you know, you don't tune into a lot of Carolina Panther games or not a lot of national games. Even in the McCaffrey, Cam Newton, as good as it was for them era, they still weren't a big deal. Until he was in front of me, I had no idea how good Kevin Durant was game in, game out. Like, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was like, holy shit, all-timer good. And it's the same thing for McCaffrey. He is unbelievable. What he does on second and seven to make it either third and short or pick up the first down in the first place, like every single time, all the time, the stuff that doesn't make the highlight reel is as impressive as the stuff that does. Um, he is the ultimate. That should have been a three-yard loss behind the line of scrimmage, and somehow they got two out of that. You know, it, that's what he does. He keeps them on schedule or ahead of schedule all the time, and they're going to have to do that to beat Spagnolo's D. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure if you are not following Damon already on Twitter, on X, whatever you're calling it, at Damon Bruce, you should also subscribe. Check out the Plus. It's every Monday through Friday. 
11 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Central. Uh, it's a great listen. And especially now that uh, he had a conversation with our, our friend Nick Wright, you should check that out as well. YouTube.com backslash at Damon Bruce Plus. It's a pleasure, my friend. Thank I appreciate you. you making time for us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the time. I I, I had to, to cut off all the different Indiana questions that I wanted to talk to you about purely for my own enjoyment, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day. But uh, well, congratulations on the continued success, man. And uh, I'm so happy for what you guys are continuing to build and uh, we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Now, if you want to have a show that is ripe with anger and anxiety, let's do that Indiana show sometime. <laughs> oh, Mike Woodson, please feel the team and the game that you're coaching. And I love what Coach Sig has done uh, so far in terms of football uh, prowess. All I can tell him is that there is no school in the nation who is more prepared to humble a head coach who thinks he knows the way. <laughs> like our Indiana Hoosiers. I'm rooting for him. I really am. But how about the fact that Indiana football is now the lifeblood of Alabama football? Did you ever think you'd see such a thing? It's Coach Sig nuts, man. Like, that's... That's what I'm calling him from here on out. That's I love that. Hey, Google me. But <laughs> I mean, the fact that the the fact that seriously, like, if Indiana just doesn't turn it around, I'm gonna just hop on that Alabama bandwagon. I mean, we got former offensive coordinators, Kalen Bohr in there. We got we got the former defensive coordinator, defensive assistant in there. I mean, Indiana football is now roll tide. So if the Hoosiers can't get it together, we have a related bandwagon to hop on. So maybe I'll maybe I'll see you in Tuscaloosa soon. I will be going to the, well, at least the plan is to go to the Rose Bowl. I always said, Damon, that I would go to a Rose Bowl game when Indiana finally makes it. Even with six, I'm not so sure if it's going to be in a postseason game, so I might as well take my chances now that UCLA is in the big We can time. get an entire section of the Rose Bowl at that UCLA game. Like, we can, we can buy out like an 800-seat section. No one's going to that game except you, me, and a few people who want to maybe see what Indiana looks like on the West Coast. First time since, what, 68 that they would have been to the Rose Bowl? Like every O.J. Simpson highlight you've ever seen is coming against Indiana in that Rose Bowl. <laughs> Damn it. No. <laughs> what, what have we gotten ourselves into? All right. Now, now we're doing the show we said we wouldn't do. No, that's okay. Hey. We'll, 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 bring, we'll bring it back on the other side. I'll go through some of the Super Bowl bets that I have already made ahead of the game. Damon, I appreciate you so much, man. Talk to you uh, very, very soon. Thanks again. Thank you, Benny. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody. Welcome back in. Benny and the Bets. My thanks to Damon Bruce. Longtime friend and uh, somebody who I was first... Uh, I first had an opportunity to get to know, God, I'm getting old now. I was back in St. Louis calling independent minor league baseball game right out of uh, graduating in Indiana. Yeah, I met a fellow by the name of Tom Ackerman, who's a, a mainstay in the St. Louis area. He told me I needed to get in touch and, and connect with Damon Bruce. And, and sure enough, I got a chance to meet him when the drive went to the Super Bowl in Arizona. That was the the Patriots and the Seahawks. And, of course, he was at uh, 95-7 the game at that point, doing afternoons, got a chance to, to finally meet in person. And uh, if there's anyone that uh, is not only just a good dude in the industry, but someone that is willing to critique you and help give you real and authentic advice, um, it is Damon Bruce. And so I'm grateful for his friendship, and I'm grateful that he spent some time with us uh, on the show today. So... I promised you some Super Bowl plays and props that I am already on. I think if uh, you have been following me on the tweet machine or on X at Benny Heist, you will know that I am indeed on the Chiefs at plus two and a half. Jumped on that very early. That line is currently gone. But that's not to say that it couldn't come back. There are some books here in the KC area that you can still find it at two if you want to pay up. Uh, and get that two and a half, you can certainly do so. But at this point, I would strongly recommend going on the money line, me two and a half, as opposed to getting on the one and a half, you might as well just take the Chiefs to win the game. The other reason that I'm on that number as well is back in November, I placed a futures bet on the 49ers. Did not know they were going to be playing Kansas City at the time, obviously, but uh, certainly a possibility. Uh, and I had the 49ers at five to one. So this gives me a little bit of an opportunity to hedge out. And there's a, uh, a, a what do you call it? A pick'em league uh, for the postseason where I have the Chiefs winning it all. Uh, so that's sort of my built-in hedge there. As for props, they might feel a little homerish to you on the Chiefs side, but there's a couple reasons for that. The first is that I, I, I do think they are fair lines, and I think they are good lines. But But more importantly, judging by the amount of money that's going to be coming in over these next few weeks, I anticipate these numbers moving. In fact, a lot of them already have. So... 
I will give you the numbers that I am at. You can judge for yourself as to whether or not you feel like the numbers that they currently sit at are worthwhile, or if the public or other betters push that number up, you have an opportunity to maybe go and take the unders. Remember, as we get closer to the Super Bowl, you're going to want to find some unders to jump on because the lines for many of these plays have already moved. Most casual bettors are going to bet on props leading up to the Super Bowl hours before as opposed to weeks before. So something to all keep in mind here. So let's start with Pat Mahomes. This was a bet that I was on last week. I'm going to go ahead and do it again. Uh, I like the over on his rushing attempts. Minus 125 is where I got that line over at DraftKings. I've seen it at five and a half at a couple places. I would not go more than that. He got to six last week. Um, you heard it from Damon. Like the, the 49ers pass rush in this postseason has not gotten to where they need to be. Now, an extra week of rest, maybe that changes. But they also had an extra week before the Green Bay game weren't able to get to Jordan Love either. That's with Nick Bosa. It's with Chase Young. Um, Chiefs offensive line is going to be a little bit healthier in this game, but maybe something wakes up in them. Mahomes will run in the postseason, and especially when he gets flushed out like we saw in that Baltimore game, he is not hesitant to run. So I think four and a half is a very good line. I like it there. Even at minus 125, I'm on that for a unit. Travis Kelsey, couple of them. All right, let me give you the other one for Mahomes as well. Uh, over one and a half touchdown passes. This line I know has moved. Um, it will not surprise me if we see this closer to two and a half by the time kickoff rolls around. Um, and that's even with the, the the under starting to move from 47 and a half down to 47. People just want to bet on Mahomes and touchdown passes. Um, and I still think that with this 49ers team, yeah, they've had some issues stopping the run. Um, but you know he's going to want to target Kelsey. You want to, You know that he's going to target Rice. We've seen Richie James get a little bit more involved. I think you'll see some trickery. Um, Pacheco will get his goal line carries, but they also are comfortable in running him out of the flat and throwing passes to him and Clyde as well. So I think he gets to that number. And I think minus 132, where I was able to get it Monday uh, in the early afternoon, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to find that number again. This might be a play where you jump on it live. Let's say the Chiefs are, are scoreless in the first quarter. And all of a sudden, that two and a half goes down to one and a half. That's an area where you can look for some value live in the game as well. Or maybe you decide to go ahead and jump on the under at two and a half when you feel like that line is too inflated. Travis Kelsey. Um, Damon brought up a really good point about Fred Warner that he's going to be on Kelsey all the time. And the 49ers aren't done. Okay. Steve Wilkes has been in this league for a long time. He knows that they have to find a way to slow him down. Even still, if you slow him down, Maybe he doesn't get to the yardage that you want. Maybe they take him away more so in the red zone. Um, but I still think this number is going to move and move a lot. In fact, it already has. Travis Kelsey is no longer available at a lot of books at over six and a half receptions. That line is now closer to seven, seven and a half. I am on Travis Kelsey over six and a half receptions at minus 135. I'm also over Travis Kelsey at 69 and a half receiving yards. Most of the books that I have seen that number at have gone closer to that early to mid-70s range. So again, both of those bets were placed Monday afternoon. We're recording the show on a Wednesday evening. Take it where you feel comfortable at, but I do expect him to be targeted quite a bit. Um, I do think, though, if it gets past, I don't know, it goes to like the 80s, uh, I, I might look to middle that number uh, for Kelsey on over. So maybe over 69 and a half, maybe under... 80, 81 and a half, and I might do that number live, try and get that number right where I want it. 
Um, Kyle Juszczyk, let's go to the 49ers for, for a second. Uh, let's have some fun. Throw a little pizza money on this. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, 70-1 to 1 to score the first touchdown of the game. Now, you might be saying, uh, Ben, Kyle Juszczyk does not have a touchdown this year. Um, why do you expect all of a sudden that this is going to be the guy? Um, for a couple different reasons. One is they're throwing him to him. They're throwing the ball to him more often. Um, so you can also consider his receptions prop and his yardage prop as well. I think it's at like one and a half or two and a half. Um, but they like using him when you least expect it. Uh, whether it's in the passing game, whether it's in a short yardage spot. Um, if everybody's expecting the ball to go to McCaffrey and instead Juszczyk gets the ball at the goal line. Uh, easy opportunity and a big payout in the event that he ends up getting that carry. So yeah, you trust McCaffrey. He's been a beast all year. But again, you, you got to find some trickery here. You got to find some mystique. Um, Juszczyk can get you those short yards. And sometimes McCaffrey, for as good as he is, um, fullback dive, man. Sometimes that play just comes through for you. Also, we talked about Debo Samuel. I know that uh, Damon mentioned uh, Christian McCaffrey as an MVP candidate. I, I will not argue with anybody choosing McCaffrey as an MVP candidate. However, it you have to go back a long time to fight a running back that's been a Super Bowl MVP. I'd rather take the guy at 35 to 1 in Debo Samuel, where the numbers are indicative of the 49ers' success, in particular against the spread, when he starts and ends a game versus when he's not on the field. They're in a completely different team and have been so since his career began in San Francisco. So for Debo, the fact that I can get him at 35 to 1 for a Super Bowl MVP is very intriguing because I know how much they're going to try to use him in all different sets of situations. He has big play explosion. He can get himself multiple touchdowns, even against a great Kansas City defense. And because of the fact that you can use him as a runner and as a receiver, I think that total yardage has a chance to add up for him, more so than a big playability for Mayuk or George Kittle or even Christian McCaffrey. Um, the value to me is loaded at Debo Samuel. And so if you're looking for an MVP play on the other side, uh, that's probably the one that I would go to as well. One other one that I'm just going to throw out there, I have not placed this bet yet. And, and honestly, I, this is probably one that I can, I can hold off on. Um, I, I might throw like a buck or two on each of the kickers to win Super Bowl MVP. I, I think I saw Harrison Butker at like 200 to one or 300 to one. Uh, maybe even longer than that. Why not? <laughs> I mean, if you expect both defenses to show up in this game and it comes down to a field goal contest in the second half, we know the second half numbers for teams going up against the Chiefs, as I've mentioned numerous times on the show before. If Butker all of a sudden kicks three field goals in the second half and there's really, and this ends up being like a, a you know 20 to, to 13 game and, and Harrison Butker goes, you know, or maybe it's 19, I don't know, 13, 16, 19. Um, I guess that would be even more. Maybe it's five field goals. 49ers just make stop after stop on third down. Why not? Why not take a chance with the type of defenses that you have? Um, he has been nails uh, in his postseason career. Jake Moody, I think that might scare off a little bit of people. There's a, a few books where you can get uh, any of the kickers at 150 to 1 um, to win Super Bowl MVP. And then I'd also maybe consider... Not even Legereus Sneed, but maybe Trent McDuffie, like 300 to 1. Uh, because I know the 49ers have a lot of respect for Legereus Sneed. And he's going to probably be shadowing Brandon Ayuk for much of this game. So if McDuffie takes one to the house and that ends up being the decisive factor, now all of a sudden you got a quarterback who is still very good, 
but not at the level of Legereus Sneed, putting up monster numbers in a Super Bowl, maybe takes a pick six to the house, and now you're looking at some incredible value on the board. It's probably going to be Mahomes. It's probably going to be Purdy if the 49ers win the game, but, but Super Bowl MVP, when things get a little bit awry, is where you can really take advantage some, of some incredible lines and really not have to spend much money to do so. So those are the plays that I'm on. Excited about what's to come. Coming up next week, we'll have plenty more props. We'll dive through even more of the matchups. We'll check in, uh, hopefully, with uh, a possible guest out in Las Vegas. Uh, can't believe the Chiefs are in another Super Bowl. It's just absolutely insane. So thank you all for being a part of Benny and the Bets all throughout the course of the season. As we said at the very beginning, I suppose this is our, what, you know, 30th pre-Super Bowl show. But now this time, it's actually real. So my thanks to Damon Bruce for being a part of the show. Also, a big thanks to Nick Springer, our executive producer. So may all of your best bets hit. My name is Ben Heisler. We will do this again next week to be inch closer to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas for Chiefs and 49ers right here on Benny and the Bets, presented by PXG. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.